Ball down. The kick is up, and it's no good. He missed it. Wide to the right. It remains 20-17 to 17 Philadelphia. That never had a chance from Amendola. Eagles are going to win. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a kick that you want to be able to make, and um, it's unfortunate we didn't. And um, it's tough for, for a new guy coming in and new holder, all those things. You know, that's that's part of the game. You, you don't want to put it on one play, and, and that's what we talked about as a team as well. There were plenty of plays to be made. It, it didn't just come down to that kick. Once again, got down 14-0, and um, just got to stop putting ourselves in those holes. That is true, uh, what Cliff Kingsbury said, but that was the way the game ended with the uh, missed field goal from Matt Amendola, which led to the Justin Pugh outburst in the uh, locker room. Yeah. Defense of his teammate Matt Amendola. The question is, how long will they be teammates? That's uh, a good Matt question. Amendola is not here long term. This is Matt Prater's job when he comes back. But if Matt Prater can't go this week, are the Cardinals giving another opportunity Man. to Matt Amendola in a division game uh, now? And you brought this up, Bick. You know the, the the kick that was missed on Sunday was in a controlled environment, climate wise, off good turf, no wind, no conditions. They're going to a place in Seattle where conditions very well could be a factor. Yeah. Uh, and look, the Cardinals have played close games this year. Could come down to one kick. How much confidence would they have in Matt Amendola moving forward? It's a great And question. if they had that much difficulty in identifying him in the first place as a, a fill-in kicker, do they want to go through that process again? That's those are all those are all great questions, Vinny. And again, if if this is if this is financially motivated and related, I'm going to be tremendously disappointed. A lot of Cardinal fans uh, would have every right to be angry if if this was about dollars and 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 trying to get this this uh, this hole filled with uh, just on the cheap, if you will. Um, I, a lot of people have wondered what was Justin Pugh. Why was he bothering to defend a guy that was going to get cut the next day? Maybe, maybe they know. Maybe they know the replacements aren't coming, and this might have to be our guy again. I'm telling you, if they trot out that guy again in a high leverage situation, and if he if he goes wide right again, if that thing just you know slices right off his foot. They're gonna they're gonna have some explaining to do. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs had a replacement kicker again last night. Their second one this year. Matt Amendola was the first. Yep, he lost that job. Yep, Matthew Wright. What is with all the kickers named Matt? By the way, Prater, Amendola, Wright. Um, he kicked a fifty nine yard field goal mm. right before halftime. Mm. Fifty nine yards. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, a 43-yard field goal should be made by a kicker. There's no doubt about that. And and I think had that kicker made that kick, maybe the Cardinals win that football game, and maybe all of this stuff is tapped down. Maybe maybe people aren't uh, aren't coming at Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury the way they are now. But it is happening, and this is this is something that you got to. I, I think this football game this weekend is tremendously important for this football team because um, for a team that's you know that's on the verge of being a 500 team when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, man, they there's a lot of weirdness going on right now. Well, there's there's people wondering if Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray even like each other. There's, as you pointed out, the look of frustration on Cliff's face last week. Two weeks ago, they barked at each other in a very, very, you know... About play clock yeah, management right. and getting the play yeah, in on right. time and Kyler yeah. wanted to go. Yeah, when Kyler was... It was just screaming at Cliff, and Cliff's response was, "Yeah, no bleep." Yeah. Remember that? This I'm going to play a clip because you, right. you brought something up about you know their their relationship and people wondering about the relationship. Because let's be honest, for now four seasons, 
they've been tied together. We've not seen Cliff independent of Kyler. We've not seen Kyler independent of Cliff. I don't know if we ever will, quite honestly. Uh, but Pat McAfee from the Pat McAfee Show was wondering about those very things and um, you know how it relates back to that whole study clause that was a big topic of discussion in the preseason. I do wonder, with all of the blunders mm-hmm, that this sure. Cardinals team has felt, if... You know, just adding that clause into the contract. Because normally when you give somebody a contract, it's like a commitment to each other. It's almost like getting engaged. Yeah. It's like getting married. It's like, hey, we're giving you this money in this amount of years because we believe that you are the right person for us. We feel like together we are unstoppable. Then in that contract, the rollout from it, the only conversation, it's not just about what Kyler taking a deal that's less than Deshaun's and Kyler taking a deal that kind of ruins the rest of the market and Kyler does this, Kyler does that. That was certainly a conversation. Kyler got his money, which we're all happy for. But Convo was, oh, Kyler doesn't watch film. So Kyler, if he was guarded at all towards the Cardinals, <laughs> after signing a big-time commitment to each other, which is supposed to be a positive thing, I wonder if there's a little bit that seeps in there every once in a while. It's still like, these don't think I'm a guy still. Or on the flip side, they're like, this quarterback isn't prepared as much as everybody else is, and we feel like with the money we're giving them, he should be. It seems like they should be great, and they should go on to have success, but the more and more this type of types uh, keeps happening, especially with Kyler coming out afterwards saying, in my head said I was being told kill 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 yeah. kill yeah kill. that is directly a uh yeah throwing cliff under the bus yeah, yeah. And, and cliff if cliff was to speak you know frankly i'm sure he would say yeah i thought my quarterback that we just paid 200 million dollars would have slid after picking up the first down and knew what it was and anytime you have that type you got to think to yourself uh, what how are they going to fix this that's good stuff that's that really, kind of happened yeah. yesterday yes, what mcafee did. said yes, it did kyler did say that he's being told kill cliff kingsbury on sunday said yes that is a coach call the, yeah. the quarterback draw, and there was instruction coming from the sideline for him to spike the ball. But yesterday again, Cliff Kingsbury with Wolf and Luke said this. Yeah, I think just situationally, I understand the situation. If you got to go, go ahead first in, in that um, situation to get it, go ahead first. Um, and then, you know, on the sideline when it's that close and you're yelling clock, 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 and you think he's got it, and all of a sudden they walk it back, you kind of pass the point of no return, and uh, we had to live with it at that point. But um, right. after discussing it, you know, if it was third down, I'm not sure sure we would have done much different at that point if we would have known that you know maybe slow clocked it and, and took in some more time if it was first down obviously you, you have a chance to take a shot but a lot can happen on that third down and the clock runs out you tackle them bounds any of those things so it was right on the the, the border there i, I gotta go back wow. in time and, and and address what what pat mcafee said and talking about the whole study habits thing after last season I think we were in agreement, Bick, that 2022 for the Arizona Cardinals and their triumvirate of GM, head coach, and quarterback, it shaped up to be very much a prove-it year. You proved it for half a season. You stumbled down the stretch. All three of you have culpability in that stumble. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals and Michael Bidwell thought otherwise mm-hmm. and rewarded two-thirds of that triumvirate with contract extensions very early in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Though Kyler one still, the study habit thing will not go away. Now, him sliding short of, of the sticks on a third down play, that has nothing to do with study. That's a heat of the moment kind of thing. But I still can't get past the fact that that addendum was put in there, and now we'll hover over this team until it's figured out completely or not figured out. And if you had those concerns about a quarterback going into his fourth year, it is 
100% foolish to reward a player like yeah. that financially with those concerns still intact. Are, it makes no sense. It's hard to argue that, and yet yet logically you couldn't not pay the quarterback when you rewarded there's that, a couple of guys who were less accomplished. There's that, there's too. There's one general manager in the NFC West who has not built a Super Bowl team currently uh, of, the, of their peers. It's true. Les okay. Snead has. Yep. John Lynch has. Yep. John Schneider has. Yes. So when you when you look at this right now, I I, th- I think to me, I think to myself, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff circulating. The fact that Cliff Kingsbury had those talks with the offensive line, I wonder what they're thinking, mm-hmm. who they're blaming. If Justin Pugh's going out of his way to absolve the kicker, then then he that's a that's a clear indication that he's trying to tell people don't look here for the blame the blame is it's either we didn't run the ball enough and they threw 42 passes ran the ball 26 times or it's they're not happy with the the play calling or the quarterback uh, I'm not sure, but all this stuff is in the air. It, it is. It's it, crazy. And it's all possible at this yeah. point. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we'll look over some of the week five storylines in the NFL. Man, there was plenty of them. That's straight ahead in Hash Marks. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash Marks. <laughs> Like in that situation, you know, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't really. They had kind of had a lot of momentum offensively, obviously, the second half, and um, just, you know, we had a play that we felt really good about. Thought we would get a look that gave us a shot at it for sure. Uh, we had a chance. We had a fair fight at it. You know, they played it a little bit better than we did, and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity to take the lead there. I'm making the uh, executive decision to kill yeah, that. Yeah, please do. Sorry. That was uh, Josh McDaniels, kind of. Uh, was several, it? Several counties yeah. sure? away. Explaining why they went for the two-point conversion late uh, in the Monday Night Football game. The Raiders lose to the Chiefs. They blow a 17-point lead. Strange game. By the way, we will never, ever see a stat line like we saw last night. Oh, from Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Travis Ke- yeah. Kelsey had seven catches for 25 yards. And four touchdowns. And four touchdowns. Yeah, that's quite I, efficient. I looked up the list, Bic. Of everybody that has had four or more receiving touchdowns in a game, the least amount of yardage anybody in that group ever had was 93 yards. <laughs> he did it in 25. Patrick Mahomes, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's red zone efficiency Go right back there. to week one. Remember, five touchdown passes against the Cardinals. All of them are eight yards or less. He's got 15 touchdown passes this year. Those are hard to do. The average length of his touchdown pass is seven seven yards and change. Yeah, generally you're not you're not supposed to be able to throw the ball that well in the red zone. It's you're dealing with such a condensed field and so few places to go with the football. But see, the difference is the Chiefs have a real guru. <laughs> they do. They do. And people had attached guru to Josh McDaniels twice now in his career. Right. Three times, basically. Right. Um, as the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, he gets the Broncos job, fails miserably, goes back to New England, turns down the Detroit or the Indianapolis job at some point. But he gets another chance with the Raiders. And there's a lot of people thinking, all right, did we did we mess up and hire this guy again? Not only did he go for two, I expected way more when they were, yeah. you know, getting close to field goal range that would have won it late. There was also, and you had the example early in the game on a fourth and one, the Raiders go for it and throw deep, and he hits Adams for a fifty-eight yard touchdown. But that, you know, the last play of that game where Adams and Renfro get tangled up, 
They went deep again. Uh-huh. It was it was one yard to gain. Um, so there's a lot of people at the Raiders that are asking the question. The same old Raiders. The frustration was palpable on their sideline. Devontae Adams walking off, slams his helmet down, and then walking off the field has a staffer, a, a game day staffer, trying to make his way across the tunnel. Devontae Adams doesn't even break stride. Two hands, pushes him down, doesn't stop. He did apologize twice. Yeah. Including saying this in front of his locker. Like before, before I answer anything else, I want to apologize to the guy. Some, some guy running off the field and he ran, uh, like jumped in front of me. And we're coming off the field and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him and then he ended up on the ground. So I want to say sorry to him for that because that was just frustration mixed with him running and, and literally just running in front of me. And that was, I shouldn't, shouldn't have responded that way, but that's that's how I initially responded. So I want to apologize to him for that. He also apologized on that, that sounded real sincere. Yeah, he apologized on Twitter, too, and said, I felt horrible immediately. No, you guy, didn't. You didn't even stop walking. I <laughs> hope the guy sees this. If you feel remorseful, you tell one of the PR dudes, go find out who that was. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to go back out into the yeah, stadium, go, and I'm going, going to apologize Please go find out who person. that was. Well, listen, it's, 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 uh, you've, you've got to be sensitive. I bump, kind of no, bumped listen, into but him. But you've got to be sensitive on some level to the sport they play. I mean, they're just on that field killing each other, and they're, there's no excuse for it. But it's it, football players are asked to flick a switch immediately, and it's, it's, it's probably harder than it sounds. That's all. I'm not absolving them because I, I'm, I'm really questioning a sincerity there. It's true. But it's, th- these guys are, are in this zone of just complete violence. You know why I know this is true? If you watch NFL football, every week you will see a player go over the sideline into a photographer or somebody holding the chains and absolutely wreck their world. <laughs> and there's not so much as a, hey, are you okay? No. They just get up and run. They just write. Yeah. Yeah. Your collateral damage yeah. is what you are. Uh, so, But that, that apology is pretty half-baked. Did so, you? Uh, yeah, this, yeah, go ahead. Did what you, you see the late game situation in the, in the Chargers-Browns game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brandon Staley is at the head of the analytics movement Mm -hmm. as as a head coach. It bit him several times last year. He's not changing his approach. So with a two-point lead Mm -hmm. at fourth down on their own 36-yard line, late in the game, Brandon Staley says, we're going for it. Yeah, And one of those, we loved the play, we loved the matchup thing. Justin Herbert throws, incomplete, opens the door for the Browns to take over with no timeouts and get into field goal range, which they did. Their kicker missed a field goal. Oops. In real time, Keenan Allen, who wasn't with the team, he's at home uh, nursing an injury, he tweets out, WTF are we doing? He deletes the tweet later. And then Brandon Staley comes out and says, oh, we're closer for it now. Brandon Staley... Got off to a very good start in his first year as a Chargers head coach. Mm-hmm. This analytics approach to me is completely irresponsible. Well, and and, and Cliff, he got away with it. Cliff is lucky he hasn't been bitten by this more often because Cliff has made some some risky fourth down calls himself um, that that are very jarring to traditionalists, but not usually protecting a lead. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, it, it, but I do I do agree with the overarching point that analytics in football, I, if I were a head coach, I would not lean on them. It, it's, it, you can do this in other sports where there's great volume of games when losing one game because of bad analytics or a bad decision is not, does not have that kind of repercussions. That, there's a reason why, there's a reason why they punt so much in the National Football League is that losing these games takes a chunk out of you. It's a field position game. It is. That's why. Right. And it's and so so the idea and analytics in football basically really kind of lands right on yeah. that play to fourth down. There, the article on ESPN about this story said, despite scrutiny from Allen and pundits, ESPN's win probability model agreed with Staley's decision to go for it on fourth down Sunday. The winning percentage in going for it was 84.1%. The winning percentage to punt was 78.9%. Here's where I've got a problem with these models going for it says 84.1 percent but that assumes you're going to make it what did that win per probability percentage go down to after they failed on fourth down and gave the browns a makeable field goal to win the game that's, that's that, right. it was definitely lower than 78.9 percent it's exactly what i was thinking because like that's say okay you know you have a 60 percent chance of making this mm-hmm. so the stats say you should do it well that 40 percent chance though when you don't make it increases your chances to lose right much more so yeah, precipitously and they were only five of 11 on fourth down conversions yeah. before that play Again, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I don't get it either. And if if he's losing, when when your team starts to go, what is coach doing? When you start blocking your football players from victory, it's not going to end well. But it's like, it's. I mean, we started by talking about the two-point conversion. Like, that would be unheard of in the old days. With four minutes left in the game to not just kick the extra point to tie the game. Right, right. And his rationale did hold a little bit of water. He said, look, that Kansas City was really hard to stop at that point in the game. Yeah. But guess what happened? They stopped him. They got the ball back with a chance to win it. Ugh. Right. <laughs> but what does it I mean? You, but would they have had they taken the lead? But they wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. If you're taking the lead, then you're still at, you have to stop them. True. Either way, meanwhile, if it's a tie game, you have to stop meanwhile, them. <laughs> There's four minutes left. Meanwhile, for all the people uh, trying to t- scrutinize what Russell Wilson is doing in Denver, did you see the still photo of the dude he had wide open on that fourth down pass? Oh, I did not see it. Oh, it it was it was on it was it circulated yesterday. He had a dude to his right. There was not even a defender in the same zip code, and he was locked in. Oh, the in left. the end zone. Yeah, call KJ Hamler. Yeah, coming on the slant. It, oh, yeah. He yeah. was on the right side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. Hamler yeah. slammed his helmet okay, down absolutely. several times yeah. in the end zone. Yeah, I, did, yeah, yeah. I did not see that in real time. Well, what's funny is that after the Packers lost, there were so many uh, Broncos fans who were like, boy, the uh, Packers really missed Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe he should uh, go back. <laughs> <laughs> I think they really they need him. They also really missed yeah. Devontae Adams, apparently, too. And I think Devontae Adams misses them at this I, point. That's, uh, yes. He's putting I, up numbers, but they ain't winning anything. No. I, so you wonder about that. Yeah. yeah. Coming yeah. up next. Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. But first, before we do that... (laughs) Thank you, Jared. It's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Today's scholarship nominee is Jamie Rusnak of uh, Red Mountain High School. Jamie has a 4.0 grade point average, won the 6A Player of the Year in Soccer, and has done a lot to help her community despite dealing with a lot of adversity in her family life. When Rusnak was six years old, her sister Brittany was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, 
And at the age of eight, Rusnak's mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Jamie watched their recoveries and made it made her want to give back in the best way that she could with one of her favorite interests, sewing. For a community service project, she decided to help her local hospitals by sewing and delivering more than 300 blankets. And when COVID-19 hit, she sewed 100 masks for the Navajo community and donated some uh, to her mother's chemotherapy center. Jamie is still deciding what to do post-graduation, but wants to continue to help those in need. Congratulations, Jamie, and work well done. Uh, Character Counts is presented by Parker and Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical, and looking for their next student-athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Now I can tell you, the Rush Hour Reboot is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. If you have listened to the show before, you know what 730 means. We're getting you caught up with all of the top stories of the day in Arizona sports and beyond. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Hi, pigs. <laughs> I choose not to take offense to that. And Jarrett Carlin. Sculler and Moldy. Muller and Scaldy. Sculler and <laughs> Boulder. Okay, for those who couldn't see that, which is everyone except for the people on this show, that was Dan Bickley making that pig noise pig live noises. into the mic. Yeah. That what wasn't he's doing. Yeah. recorded. No, he's famously good at making yeah. animal noises. Talent and is that was, just... That was not... What I played was not meant as an insult. It was a tribute to the comedian who delivered that line who died last week. Oh, is that yeah. right? Who was that? What? Judy Tenuta. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I didn't realize that was Judy Tenuta. I thought that was the woman from the Drew Carey show. Hi, pigs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh. Pigs get a bad rap. I mean, the the the, the food they contribute delicious. No. I know we love pigs, right? Guess we just don't realize it. <laughs> anyway, enough about That's my dating life. Right. It's dedicated Talk to about, you, pigs. Yeah. Talk about being underappreciated. <laughs> ah, truly. All right, let's get into the Arizona Cardinals. We have some injury updates from head coach Cliff Kingsbury. James Conner uh, had to leave Sunday's game against Philly with a rib injury. We're checking everything out. Something in the rib area, and uh, they're just being very cautious with them right now. Jared, how do you feel about yeah. ribs? Do you like ribs, you like Jared? Ribs, <laughs> I do like ribs. <laughs> Baby back, beef ribs. I I really love uh, pork ribs. Chi- Chinese barbecue spare ribs. Yeah, that's, oh, that's they're they're man. at the bottom of the spectrum for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not yeah. my flavor. And underrated as a way to protect your internal organs. Yeah. <laughs> How if about- you've ever hurt your ribs, mm. like strain the muscle or crack mm-hmm. the rib, or oh man, sorry, Sarah. And that's okay. Uh, how do we feel about knees, like Rodney Hudson's knee? We're gonna see how he feels. That was the the thought this week. He he didn't feel um, great by the weekend, and, and so we. we we wanted to go ahead and rest it, so we got to see Wednesday um, when he's moving around what it feels like this week. How do you feel about knees like Rod Knee? Oh, okay. That's what you're going to say. Then there's Matt Prater. Here's the latest on him and his hip injury. He, of course, uh, famously missed Sunday's game. I am not sure on Matt. We're going to work him out. 
Wednesday, see how he feels. Um, but we'll be we'll be smart this long season. I want to make sure he feels 100% before we get him back out there. And we also got the news yesterday that Antoine Wesley is done for the season. He never got to start the season because of a different injury, but he is now done for the year. Uh, so let's see. James Conner, Rodney Hudson, Matt Prater, Antoine Wesley. Of those four guys, whose injury or who being away from the team is impacting the Cardinals the most? Probably James Conner, who before that injury I thought was yeah. running better than he had run all year uh, and showed a little bit of burst. He had a couple of runs. His longest run going into that game was 10 yards. Yeah. He had two runs longer than that. Um, so that's a loss. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I'm i I'm telling you, Eno Benjamin looks like a running back about to pop. Mm. And so I don't, I, I'm not voting for James Conner in that. Wow. I do wonder, though, if, I wonder if Eno will have Andre Ellington disease where he looks like he's going to, or even Chase Edmonds. Right. So give him 300 carries, right. baby. Right. right. In small doses, he's really explosive, right. but whenever yeah. they give him the full load, yeah, he doesn't. Then, yeah, that's that's, Although, that's very possible. If you but, watched him in college, he was one of those guys that took a lot of physical punishment, but always got stronger as the game went yes. on, too. Yeah. Yeah. Beast. All right, let's get to ASU football. Speaking of, you know, Benjamin, the uh, former Sun Devil, the Carolina Panthers fired Matt Rule yesterday after a 1-4 start to the season for Carolina. And on this show, uh, Vince, you've been talking about it for a while now. We expect Matt Rule to be a hot commodity in the coaching ranks. And as a Sun Devil alum, you've mentioned the the, the interest, the excitement in having Matt Rule as potentially ASU football's next head coach. Okay. It's intriguing because of his history. Okay, so of these three options, guys, rank the best fit for ASU football's next head coach. Matt Rule. Deion Sanders, who's also been kind of tossed out there, or the current interim coach, Sean Aguano. Best fit. I think it really depends on what kind of model of leadership ASU wants to invent uh, on this next hire. (laughs) Oh, no, let's not innovate anything. No, let's not innovate anything. I will say this to Sean Aguano's credit. ASU ranked third in the nation last week for last week's offensive efficiency improvement from the week before. Wow. So of all the teams that put forth good performances, they ranked third in the nation at how far they came in the span of one week. And that was with a backup quarterback because Emory Jones was hurt. So so to me, listen, you've got you've got high school coaches banding together, signing letters saying yeah. this mm-hmm. is the guy you need to hire. I think you got to pay attention to it. And I know there's great pressure to deliver Deliver a home run hire. Matt Rule is going to cost a ton of money. And if you're Sean Aguano, you can't begrudge ASU for going after a uh, a guy like that. Or even Deion Sanders, who I think is terrific. Yeah, I don't. But I think Matt Rule ends up somewhere in the Midwest. Wisconsin or Nebraska, Nebraska seems more likely. Yeah. I think Deion Sanders, who again has an undefeated team at Jackson State, if he's ready to make that jump away from, from FCS into the FBS, he's going to have his choice of, of jobs that open up in the South. I mean, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech is, oh, is open right now. You don't think Florida State wouldn't fire Mike Norvell for Deion Sanders? Hey, come on back to ASU. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah. So, and I mean, Michael Crow did say in an interview uh, over on our sister station, KTAR News, that he didn't seem too high on Deion Sanders. He, I think he referred to him as a little too green, I think was the phrasing he used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so of your choices, I mean, fit right now, Sean Aguano is the best fit. 
of those three. Well, I, I, th- I think Sean Aguano, it, it, he's he's a work in progress. I don't think you can declare him anything right now. But a, lot just, people, I, a lot of people, a lot of people you need are. To, but I think you need to be open to the idea of keeping him. Yes. You, you can't just say, okay, we, we've got this perceptual dilemma here that we have got to solve this football problem, right? Shut up, Jared! Shut up, Jared! <laughs> Shut up, Garrett! Quit scratching your head, Garrett. <laughs> that letter that Dan Bickley referred to, by the way, yeah. uh, circulating on the internet, uh, over 200 <laughs> high school football coaches across Arizona yeah. uh, signed this letter with backing that. of you, making him the next yeah, head coach. You can't ignore that, but but you also can't make your decision based on that. Sure, and it's got to play out. But I think you've got to be you've got to be open to rewarding this guy and hiring this guy if if they continue to you know stack good performances. Yeah, yeah I agree. And for the record, that letter did come out until late Sunday night, but that uh, they started gathering those signatures before Saturday's game against UW. Is that so right? this isn't based on the upside. Wow. This is just a recommendation that they wholeheartedly have, wholeheartedly believe. Wow. Yeah, that's that's impressive. impressive. And there were some yeah. there were some great endorsements from players. I mean, what Nesta Jade Silvera no. said after that game about Sean Aguano, about loving him and appreciating him, and that's a guy I can play for every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Those go a long way. So I, I agree with Pick, though. It's very early in this whole process. And there's a lot of football left to be played to sure. see how much they can continue to improve. And remember what you said. The bar was low when he took it over. No let's kidding. be honest. And remember what you said yesterday, earlier. They all loved Herm Edwards, too. They all said they loved yeah. Herm Edwards. Oh, yeah. No, so. listen, you've got to, you're right. You've got to factor it all in. You sure. have to. You've got to be, you've got to, they've, they've got to make the right decision. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Whatever you. Whoever that is, it better be right. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel rebooted. You better. I'll, I, I don't have the energy to reboot you again. No. Right. That's right. That's it. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Thank you. Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 730. Coming up next, we'll talk NFL football. Mike Sando from The Athletic joins us. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Now we continue on the Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios, talking football. And we're uh, joined by our next guest to do just that. Mike Sando from The Athletic checks in the great on the Arizona Sports Line. Sorry, sorry, I left out the great, the, the great part, Mike. But, but Bick had your back. Mike, how are you? <laughs> hey, it's part of our agreement. You have to put in great. Right. You know? That's right. It's, it's in great. your contract, man. Good to talk to you guys. Good to have Good you, to Mike. Good to talk to you. Uh, you know, one of the big storylines, we've already discussed it today, and it, it came up again last Last night, these roughing the passer calls are not a yeah. great look for the NFL. The Brady situation on Sunday, where he came out and said, "Hey, I don't throw the flags," and Chris Jones' explanation sure. of what happened last night in, in, in tackling Derek Carr—I mean, that one was ridiculous. Are we going to see movement on the league from this on, on anything? Uh, Is there anything they can? You do? know, I think there's ebbs and flows with it. There's, you know, over the past forty years, maybe over the history of the league, there's been a trend towards. Protect the quarterback, protect the quarterback, protect the quarterback. So I think that we're on that continuum. And then within that, you see reactions and overreactions. Obviously, the situation with Tua in Miami, you know, got a lot of uh, publicity. And this feels like the sort of thing that's, hey, a reaction, right? Like, Air on the side of absolutely, uh, you know, too much. Now, I thought Chris Jones, who was flagged to the Chiefs, had a great point after the game. They should maybe be reviewing that these, you know, now like they do in college. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know that they currently have the infrastructure to do that, right? I mean, it's easier said than done. Not every game has all the cameras of a Monday night game, right? They're, they're not all produced the same way. True. You don't get the same angles, all of that. You don't have the same amount of staff. You, the, the same number of people in the league office aren't paying attention to every game like they do on Monday night. So I don't know if that could happen, but it seems like um, there, there could be a – roughing the passer review on next. I think you don't want to return to the old days where the guys are looking at their goals. Yeah. But, and you don't want guys staggering and coming back into the game with concussions. Yeah. But you got to be able to tackle them. you got to be able to hit them, right? It's still a rough game, and these guys sign up for that. So clearly that was uh, – you know, that didn't look like anything we would consider dangerous. All right, there's a lot of uh, lot of noise, a lot of points of contention around our football team here in Arizona. What did you what yeah. did you make of the ending of that game and, and how they kind of butchered that that potential game tying possession? It's kind of embarrassing, you know. Look, I, I think around the league, probably every week in every game there's a handful of things that are would be embarrassing or should be that we don't even notice in the operation of the team, the clock, all of that. We just can't, we don't even, we're not even qualified to pay attention to that stuff, but sometimes they're just obvious, like a boneheaded thing. And I think, you know, that one spiking the ball on third down um, didn't make any sense and calls into question the operation at the end of the game through the quarterback, the coach, whatever the communication is there. Um, it's embarrassing. And I think, you know, there's already heightened attention focused on the quarterback and his preparation and the coach and all of that. Uh, so, you know, it plays into the hands of people that want to, you know, hit on what they're, they think the concerns were. It gives a validity to it. So it's certainly a tough way to have it go down. I don't know that they were going to, I mean, they still might have lost the game anyway, yeah. right? The way that it was going, it wasn't like it was a guaranteed win. They weren't just, they didn't just completely lose it, but that, that's a tough way to have it at the end when the narrative's already there. Mike Zando from The Athletic, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Um, we're five weeks into this thing here in Arizona, and for five weeks, the refrain after games has been the same. Uh, and there's been two of them. Hey, we don't know what's going on with these slow offensive starts. I mean, to not have a point in the first quarter through five games, 75 minutes of football is inexcusable. And then half the time they're wondering about why they can't win home games. I mean, when you look into the future, I know the Cardinals are one week away from bringing DeAndre Hopkins back into the fold. And it seems like they're putting all the eggs in, in that basket, which to me, yeah. if he comes back and fixes the offense, that's a further indictment on the coach staff. I just wanted to get your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, I do think having a big number one receiver is a big deal. I think it's clearly, we've seen in the past, Kyler Murray, you know, when when DeAndre Hopkins is hurt or not in there, there's been a big difference in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, think that, I think it's a really significant thing, and uh, I think they're really going to uh, need him. I, I think his, the need for him was probably heightened with Christian Kirk leaving and some of the other you guys know more about the receiving core than I do, but aren't they more dependent on him now maybe than they've been? Mm-hmm. And so the concerning thing is, you know, shoot, you've won two games, but one of them you're down 20 to nothing, right? Check me if I'm wrong on the Raider game. No, it was correct. like that was a kind of a miracle. That was a miracle. There's not a lot to, you know, a win on the other win is over the team that fired their coach. Yeah. So it is hopefully a reverse of what we've seen from Cardinals in the past where, oh, 7-0, oh, wow, and then you just know it's going to crater. 
maybe this team figures its way out as, as they get Hopkins back and is better. I, I would think they're going to get uh, a little bit better as they go along because there's just been too many games where they're not scoring consistently enough and I do th- I do buy that he's a big part of it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It's I think it's also really the last kind of card to play here because people are pointing out uh, the plays that Cliff Kingsbury scripts, they're going nowhere and and the team is they look dreadful in opening quarters yet they only come alive when Kyler starts doing his running all over the field kind of routine. So people are wondering rightfully so I think if Cliff Kingsbury hasn't been figured out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, until you change that narrative, I mean, right? It, it just sort of is what it is. I think you're looking for growth of the quarterback too, and that's on the quarterback and the coach to do that, right? To, to be getting better over time. I think they've always been able to hang their hat on their record got better every year, you know. And <laughs> is this going to be you know a year that that doesn't happen? I'm just looking right now, so I just dialed up. Offense, offensive possession number one through three. Let's just do that, okay? Okay. Um, the data this week it was seven points a game. 2020, it was 6.2. Last year, it was 8.4. And this year, it's 1.4. So, I mean, if they're going to go 1.4 the rest of the year, um, you know, they're going to have major problems. But maybe that is a little bit of a reflection of they got to get get that receiver in there and we can compare it. And then if it's still flat for three weeks, you know, you've got your answer probably, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah, probably. Point. Uh, Mike Sando, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Before we let you go, division-wide, uh, you know, San Francisco every yeah. year, just racked with injuries. They find ways to win. Bick and I are both in, in, in agreement that they are the best team in the division and maybe one of the top teams still in the conference. But the other three teams, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, how, how do you stack them up through five weeks right now? <laughs> Well, I think that uh, Seattle is the biggest surprise yeah. because after a decade of, you know, for the most part, winning with defense and efficient quarterback play, and sometimes Russell Wilson was way better than efficient, they are so bad on defense. I, you know, I've been around this team for 25 years, and I can only remember like one time in the early 2000s when they were this bad on defense. I think they're worse now. But on offense, Geno Smith's been amazing. Like, I, you guys probably aren't watching every game all the way through. It's not a mirage. Right. This guy's on point. The offense has expanded. The first two games, they went real conservative. Like, they didn't know this was going to happen. They were <laughs> they were taking the ball out of Geno's hands and like, just don't lose the game. Right. Don't lose the game, Geno. Oh, my gosh. I think they really thought Drew Locke was going to be the starter at the man of the year. <laughs> okay? After two games, they're like, geez, we got to let Geno cook. <laughs> and I'm, telling you, I'm not kidding. So then they, they had a couple good games. One of them, they light up Detroit. And you're like, okay, it's Detroit. They might be the only defense worse than Seattle. But they went to New Orleans. They put up 32 points with, like, a touchdown or two called back on debatable penalties. Yeah, Gino on third down is lighting it up. He looks like a top tier quarterback. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> it's like you would never believe it. So maybe right. it's all going to crash down. But like he looks like the guy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I I can't believe the the just the mentality of Seahawk fan who who thought are they screwing this thing up are they letting our guy go are we are we going to be in purgatory for years to come oh. the way this story has flipped is stunning it's like okay okay so i knew from being around the team that look 
Russell Wilson has been really good, but I know that he's best with the run game and the defense and not having too much on his shoulders. I know that he's not Rodgers and Peyton Manning, right? He's not just absolutely running the offense like like those guys do. He needs a certain structure around him. I guess what we're learning now is that the last year and a half of him struggling, like he he wasn't elevating the team. And he was holding back the offense. They were running his offense. Wow. And that's kind of what it looks like in Denver. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you watch the design of Shane Waldron with, with I can't keep a straight face, with Geno Smith, <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. It looks totally different. They're hitting tight ends up the seams. It, it's totally, like the whole thing's grown. So I don't know if I'm high or something. Did somebody put something in my food? Because I would have totally thought they're going to score 17 points a game with Geno Smith this year that's exactly he was last in quarterback tears and like people were right that was evidence-based he was last he was 35th it's great coming into this last week i looked it up he was 47 of 53 on first down passing (laughs) oh my goodness i mean this is like johnny unitas in here (laughs) i I can't believe it like like i'm trying to think who could this who has this happened to so it's got a this week he's got to be like seven for twenty-four or he's something. Gotta you know, it's just it's just unbelievable. Mike, thanks so much for joining. I'm sorry, the great yeah. Mike Sando. <laughs> yes. Thanks for joining thanks, us. Mike. We appreciate it. Okay, I'll see you, <laughs> Mike Sando. Okay, of the Athletic, <laughs> joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Bick kicks off the second half of the show with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley Murata Mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.